Jesus, thank you once again, our Lord and God and Savior, and we thank you for bringing us here today. God, we're not here by accident, Lord, but you and your sovereign plan has brought us here to worship you, to be with you, to seek you, God, to be in your presence. And, and Lord, that's what we seek. That's what we desire, Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that, that we may seek you in the house of the Lord. And here we are right now, God. And so along with our worship, God, we want to seek you in your word so with the worship comes the word and we seek to hear from you today god so i ask lord that you would speak to us lord as we learn god about the future that you would bring application into our hearts that we may be transformed today as we're sitting here as we've come this morning to this service so, Lord, with that, I ask for your Holy Spirit to continue his anointing, God. The worship has been so anointed, Lord, and now in your word, I pray for your anointing. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Over 20 years ago, on the Larry King Show, this is on CNN back then, the pop artist Madonna was asked if she believed in God. And her answer was this. Yes, I do. I study all religions, including Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, and others. I believe, and she said this, that all roads lead to God. Now, I thought that was interesting. I, I read this and picked it up, and I thought, that's interesting. You say you study yeah, all these religions, but the thing is, if you really study what Jesus said, then you would know in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying, no, there's no no, no other roads. It's, it's just me. You got to come through me. Well, today, right now, in, in the past years or so, there is a movement toward this type of of thinking, even more so than ever before. Let me back up. In, in back in 2008, one survey found that 52% of American quote-unquote Christians, now those in America who say they're Christians, uh, that they believe non-Christian faiths can lead to eternal life. So that's that same thinking, right? This is back in 2008. Well, in 2016, another poll found that the number went up to 64% of Americans saying that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now, in 2021, this year... Probe Ministries, I think this was back in May, they found that 70% of American, quote-unquote, Christians believe other religions can lead to heaven too. So there is this movement, there's this rising movement in this type of thinking. Now, if you're saying that you're a Christian, but you're joining in this movement it really shows that, you know, you don't really read your Bible, nor do you really study it. Because Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Again, there's no other way. 
It's not many faiths. It's not an interfaith type of thing. It's not all roads lead to God. It's not that. That's not what we find in the Bible. And if you truly study it, then you would understand that. Sadly, I read in another poll this year, the majority, that's 71% of Gen Z, and that's young people from the ages 13 to 25, are abandoning Christianity for, and I quote, a faith that combines elements from a variety of religious and non-religious sources rather than receiving all these things from a single intact system or tradition, end quote. Isn't that crazy? Gen Z, that this next generation below me, or maybe way below me, you're saying way below. <laughs> but Gen Z, 71% now is abandoning Christianity, other traditional forms of religion, and just bringing everything together into their own belief system. So the question really is, is the future of religion in America fully embracing this thought? All roads lead to God. Is it? Well, I, I believe so. I believe uh, that America will become that because I believe the Bible predicts a coming unity of religion, not just in America, but in the whole world. And you know what? The surveys that I shared with you today, that's signs that the tribulation, that last seven years of the world as we know, is right around the corner. Things are building up to that point. But the Bible predicts the end to this interreligion unity. And that's when the Antichrist sets himself up as really the new religion. And that's what we find today as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. We are going to come to the end of world religion, part two. Last week was part one, uh, and this week we're going to finish off this chapter in part two. And we're going to take a look at Revelation 17 from verse 15 through 18. We're going to finish this off here. Now, last week in part one, the end of relig world religions, part one, we saw from verse 7, three, 7 through 14, we had this outline. And I just want to back up here and give that to you. Uh, number one in our outline was the resurrection of old Babylon. Remember in verses 7 through 8, we saw the last world empire will be like the old Babylon of the ancient Babylon with the Antichrist at, at its head. And then we saw number two, the globalization of interreligions. We saw ver from verses 9 through 11 that a unified world religion will be the religion of this last Empire, this, this one world religion. And then number three in outline, we saw the unification of armed forces. We saw in verses 12 through 14 how the Antichrist will bring all the world's armies together in a political and religious unity. And I say religious because he will bring the world together to stand against Jesus and try and end Christianity once and for all. So that's what we saw last time in part one. Well, we continue 
today. From verses 15 through 18, we're going to see three things. Number four, as we continue our outline, is the integration of the prostitute. Number five is the abomination of the Antichrist. And number six is the transformation of the empire. And I'll give that to you as we go. Do you notice I did a shun kind of thing? Number one last week was the resurrection. Number two, the globalization. Number three, the unification. Today is the integration, the abomination, the transformation. You like that, yeah. <laughs> A lot of shuns, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, the end of world religions, part two here. Let's begin with number four in our outline the integration of the prostitute. The integration of the prostitute. And that's what we're going to see here in verse 15. Verse 15. Just Verse 15 in this section. So take a look with me here. Revelation 17, verse 15. It says here, And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And we'll stop there. So we begin today with, with the angel now. Remember, this was one of the angels that brought the seven bowls of judgment. We saw in verse 1 of this chapter. He now continues to talk to John. That's the me here in verse 15. And to explain now this vision that John's been seeing in chapter 17. And it's this vision, remember, the main players are the prostitute and this beast and, and the kings, these leaders. And it really speaks of this last Babylon. So he comes in here now to explain a little bit more. And remember in our first study, we saw that in chapter 17, actually includes 18, we're in this pause. Yeah, we're in this mo moment like 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 time sort of stop, and God is just explaining more things to us. We're in between the bold judgments that was in the seven bold judgments, the last set of judgments in chapter 16, and Jesus Christ returning in chapter 19, where we're in this little pause, and God is explaining about why we saw in verse one the judgment falls so hard upon quote unquote Babylon, the Antichrist world empire, the last world empire. And, and remember, he's Satan's man, so he's kind of explaining some things going on. Now, the angel here in verse 15, he says, hey, you know about the waters, the waters that you saw this prostitute that was sitting upon, and that refers to verse 1 of chapter 17, and we actually uh, interpreted that verse with first. 15, we kind of looked, peeked ahead, and so we kind of got an idea of who this prostitute is. And if you remember, we've been talking about this for the last two weeks, right? This prostitute is the religions of the world that have enticed people, lured people away from a true relationship with the true God through Jesus Christ. So that's this prostitute who, who who's really taking distracted people from the true God. So that, that's what this prostitute does, which, which is now we've come to see that it's at its peak, this one world religion. So these waters, as the angel is telling here, to, uh, that God has the angel tell, it represents peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. And we saw that, right, a couple weeks ago. The prostitute meaning it's always been situated in the middle of all the people of the world throughout all the ages of time. 
So that's who this prostitute represents. So religion has been an integral part of society, drawing people away from the true God for a long time. You know, I was thinking about, there's that saying about prostitution, right? They say, well, that's the oldest profession. Well, think about that in this idea in a spiritual way, that religions in the world, right, have always pulled people away from the true God, to have a true relationship with him, and that's through Jesus Christ. So she's always been around. She's always been weaved into the fabric of society, religion pulling people away who God created. And let me just make a a note here, or or just stop for a second here before I go on. You know, the problem, too, in, in addition to that, is that people sadly, have chosen, right, to go after other religions and not to the true God, not to the true God who created them, who created each one of us. And I want you to see this for a moment. Turn over to the left to Romans, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. We're going to take a look at a few verses here, 19 through 25, more than a few. But uh, we'll just quickly go over this. But this, this to me, kind of helps, uh, you know, wrap things up in my mind about, oh, what this prostitute, what this, what's this uh, old King James, this harlot has been doing. So if you look at Romans chapter 1, verse from verse 19 through 25, it says in verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So Paul comes in here talking about the world is without excuse, because if you look around, God has shown himself in all of creation. I mean, it, 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 you know, it, you can see it. You can see it in the beauty. You can see it in the intricacy. I have an old friend of mine. He came to the Lord. You know how? When he started looking on how the eye works, and, and he thought, this couldn't just have been some evolutionary thing. It's too intricate. It, it was planned. And he came to Jesus Christ because of just that. So, Here, Paul is saying, you know what? All creation has been a witness of God so that people can perceive that, oh, there is one God, a creator out there. But then look at verse 21. Even without any excuse of of understanding there is God, verse 21 says, For although they knew God, like there was a creator, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they came futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So the light of the truth, they turned away. So they went to the false thinking and false thoughts, and it darkened their hearts, that saying, oh, well, there's no creator. There's no one true God. And then look at verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So people in the world began to think, well, I know what's going on. I know what it's about. I know what life is about. And they started figuring it out on their own without God or looking at God's word. And they thought they were wise, but they actually became foolish because they started to believe the lie that there is no God or there's other ways to God. 
And then verse 23, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So if you think about it in ancient times, right, they had idols, right? Idols of animals and idol, you know, images of, of like a human-like forms and things like that. So they began to worship that. I mean, classic example, right? When when Moses was up on the mountain and the, for 40 days and people going, oh, where's he? He's gone. Well, well, you know, let's take all our jewelry and gold, melt it, and make this calf. And then they start worshiping the calf. Yeah, they, That's who brought us out of Egypt. That's the power. That, that's, that's what man has done. They began to worship things in their own concoction. And, you know, ultimately it's worshiping themselves, right? Because they thought of this. This is their logic. This is their thinking. And they began to even put images of mortal man so then verse 24 therefore god gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity which all this always leads to that to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about god for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen so you see now the creator the true god is not Worship is not sought after. Relationship with him is not made through Christ. Now it's about, oh, worshiping the creation, things that are in there. And one of the big things that are created is the, the false thinking that is created in the mind. So back to Revelation now, Revelation 17. So if you understand this, that, that you know, through... Out the ages, God showing us the real picture of religion. It's a prostitute. It's an ugly word to use, but that's what this world religions have been doing. And it's been going on since the beginning. And the angel is saying, and you know what? It will be the same in the end. Matter of fact, it's going to reach its peak. So, this is what I want you to understand in verse 15. The integration of the prostitute of false religion will reach its peak of acceptance in the last world empire. So it's going to fully be embraced. This, this, it'll come to a peak, this, this, this prostitute. And we talked about that and just kind of flowing out of that. This woman we saw earlier last week, now woman in its position and power, it's going to become the main thing in this last empire. And it's going to come, religion actually is going to come to its peak of acceptance in this last world empire. And it's all going to be integrated there. You know, just uh, this past week, I got this handwritten letter in the mail. It was in my mailbox. And it was addressed to the Nagura Ohana from a neighbor. And, you know, it sounded good. It sounded also local and friendly. And, and then I started to read the letter. I knew what it was, but I read it anyway. It wasn't the first time I got something like that. But I read the letter and talked about, oh, how, how crazy this world is and how, how we're all struggling it through it. And, you know, these days with the pandemic and everything. And, 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 and then they moved into this part. Don't we want to 
live in some new world? Don't you wish the world was better? And it really touched on, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, yeah, this is touching on emotions, you know. Yeah, it's been so hard. Oh, yeah, we, we like a better world, don't we? But you know what? It was all designed to make you feel good, to sound good, to bait you really into false doctrine. For attached to this letter was a tract of the Jehovah's Witness. And understand, they're not Christian. I would say they're almost a cult. Yeah, you can only listen to them. Don't listen to anyone else. Don't think or you'll be poisoned. I have a brother-in-law into that. And I've had conversations. That's, that's what he told me. Oh, no, I, I, I can't read your things because it's going to poison me. That, that's like a cult right there. But they make it sound so good, right? They make it sound like even they, that, they believe what you believe, right? I mean, we're coming into this place in Revelation where we are going to see the millennium come. When Jesus Christ returns, he's, he's going to bring the millennium kingdom. He's going to restore the earth. It's going to be great, awesome. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you believe what we believe. And they make you feel good. And they're like inviting you to their church and, and oh, jo- join us in our little studies. And hey, we're, we're your neighbor, yeah? We want your ohana, you know, to come be part of that. We believe in Jesus. But let me tell you, they may have the same vocabulary, but it's a different dictionary. Understand that. See, what they don't tell you till they got you is, oh no, Jesus is not God. He's actually Michael, the archangel. He's, he's, he's a created being on the highest level. What? The Bible tells us Jesus is God, the creator. Right? They tell you, oh no, oh no, um, it's not about going to heaven. That's only for the 144,000. It's full already. Yeah. It, it, it's really full. But, you know, for the rest of us, oh, the leaders are... That, that's, I was having a conversation years ago with, with the Jehovah's Witness, this girl, and I said, well, how about the 144,000? You're not part of it, right? She goes, oh, no, that's the leaders. They're the only ones that are going to go to heaven. But us, oh, we get to live on a restored earth, a new world. So you see why they push that? Because that's... Their hope, an earthly hope. We, we understand what the Bible says. We have a heavenly hope, right? A hope that we live with God together with Jesus Christ. Then, oh, we just get to have a wonderful, nice paradise of earth. So you see how the devil presents things? Making it sound nice, making it sound good. Something, something we need. So imagine this world religion and an empire. Imagine this movement. Imagine, I mean, even now we see things, we hear things like, oh, let's stop fighting. Let's stop fighting each other. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Let's put aside our differences. Oh, yeah, that's right. It feels so right. Let's do what's best for the world. Yeah? Put aside yourself. And matter of fact, this is best for you. Uh, but lay aside the truths of your doctrine, right? But it's a trap to lead you astray from the truth of God. Listen, it's a trap, just like a prostitute would. You know what Proverbs 23:27 says? A prostitute is a dangerous trap. It is promiscuous. Uh, a promiscuous woman is, a dang- is as dangerous as falling into a narrow well. And that's what the devil's been doing with 
false religion for ages. And so it will be at the end, it will come to a peak when all religions unite into one world religion. So you guys, keep your armor on. Be akamai to what the word says and the truth of God. Don't, don't mix in those traditions and philosophies because, well, it sounds good. You know, my experience, I think it's this, I think it's that. Oh, yeah, 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 it sounds good. It makes you feel good, oh, yeah, right? It satisfies your tiny logic on these things, right? And you think, oh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah, yeah. And little by little, you're drawn away from the truth of the word of God. Watch out. Watch out when Satan comes and says, hey, that, that, it's okay. That's not what God meant. You don't really understand. That's not, isn't that what the serpent said to Eve Yeah, in the garden? Exactly. Oh, that's not what God, God meant. Oh, 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 you know, it's okay. A, a little sin. It's all right. That's okay. You, you know what? But be careful. Now, most of us understand, oh, sin, wrong, right? Follow God, obey his word, that's right. But I'll tell you, Satan is real sneaky, and what he does is he gets into our belief system. What I'm talking about is we all have built a certain belief system of morals, of theology, doctrine. We've all drawn lines of what we think is allowable and not allowable, And part of our sanctification, our growth in the Lord, that's what it is. God's changing all of that as a new creation. But sometimes we we formed our own little belief system, and we made it so it fits in, maybe, so I can still go to church. And when it fits in, and so, oh, yeah, I'm I'm unchristian, you know, kind of thing. But we brought in things into it that are not according to the Bible. Sounds good. Feels good. It, it, it seems to be logical to us, but it's really a trap, you guys. If uh, Satan wants to play on your thoughts, on your emotions, and, and to draw you ultimately away from a true relationship with the true God, ultimately to draw you and I away from Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that can save us. So, Put your armor on. Yeah. Put that helmet of salvation on. Don't, don't let those things come into your mind. Put the breastplate on. Yeah. Not into your heart. Yeah. Keep that armor on. Hold that sword and shield in the Word of God. So that's how it all comes to be. With this integration of this process, it's been going on. It's going to come to its peak at the end. Well, let's go on to how the end of world religions really ends. And this is our next heading, the abomination of the Antichrist. And really, this, this verse, verse 16, is, and what, that's what we're going to cover, is what we've been heading toward from verse 1 and from last week from verse 7. This is it. This is, this is why I titled this whole um, two parts here, the end of world religions. So number five in our heading is the abomination of the Antichrist. So look at verse 16. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. 
All right, you see there's a whole turnaround, right? A 180 from what we saw before. Now, remember, the world religion, the one world religion, will be the official religion of the empire, right? This unified interfaith, that's our religion. We all got together, what we're seeing happening in the world even today. But what will happen is the ten horns, remember uh, the ten horns which he he told us was on the beast over in verse 3, right? And he told us the ten horns are the ten kings in verse 12, the ten leaders, and we believe it's the uh, heads of the ten-nation confederacy of the old Roman Empire from the prophecies of, of, of Daniel. Those guys, they give up their power, in verse 12 we saw last time, to the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is total dictator of the world, total, has all power. Well, it says in verse 16, these ten horns, these ten kings that you saw, they and the beast, they join up, the beast is who? The Antichrist, right? They're going to join up with the Antichrist, and it says here that they will hate the prostitute. They're going to hate this official, united, one-world religious system. So the political powers that once supported the one-world system, remember she was writing on the beast, right? And, and over in uh, uh, verse 3, she was writing, supported, promoted by the Antichrist. The political powers that once supported the world religion will now turn in hostility against her. So it's a total flip here now. Yeah? The Antichrist, oh, this is it, the one more religion. But now it's a total flip, and they turn in hostility against her. Now, uh, remember, I was thinking about this. I, I mentioned it could be, some commentators mentioned the ten horns of ten kings. Maybe there are ten, like, lieutenants under the Antichrist who are, and the world is divided into ten sections, and maybe they're the ten. But it's just basically saying the whole uh, political power of Babylon now, Paul, it cuts her off. It's, it's going to turn against her. And it's described this way. They will make her desolate. In other words, they're going to strip her of her power. She was right there, right? Uh, a, a part of integrated, weaved into the fabric of this administration of the Antichrist. Well, now she's stripped of her power. It says here that, and naked, she's going to be naked. She can, she's going to be stripped of her position. No longer is she dressed as the queen, right? We saw in verse 4, back then a couple studies that. And they will devour her. They're going to confiscate all the riches that she collected from all the temples and churches and everything. They're going to seize all her properties. They're going to basically take control of everything, of this entity, of this one world religion, everything that it was part of this last world empire. And so the Antichrist, it says here in verse 10, will really with one act, it says, uh, will devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. So with one act comes the end of world religions. That's what's happening. No more this woman. No more this prostitute. No more. It's done. World religions end right here. And that's why I titled these, uh, this, these messages, The End of World Religions. This is it. This is the peak. This is what we're coming to. Can you imagine all the world religions that have been going on throughout all the centuries? Done. Paul, 
abolish, no more. Think about it this way. Think of how when the rapture happens, right, Christians are gone. True Christians are gone. Yeah? Christianity's main, their, their strong presence in the world, which is on a decline, but now it's gone, gone. Of course, later we know tribulation saints will, well, uh, there'll be those who get saved, but it'll be a small group. And then a one world religion rises up, unopposed, the movement of unity, of faiths, and everyone coming together, Judaism, uh, Islam, Buddhism, everything coming together as one. That movement becomes, you know what, mainstream under the promotion of the Antichrist, the woman riding on the beast, right, in verse 3. But here in verse 16, all of that stops. All of that ends with the political Babylon turning against the one world religion. I was trying to imagine, wow, maybe they come in and all the Buddha statues, all the different forms sitting in temples around the world are smashed. All the Hindu statues, you know, that lady with all the arms, right? You know, kind of thing, right? Gone. The, the, that Hindu statue with the elephant head on it. Sometimes I look at that and go, that's so weird. Or they, they have a man-looking thing with a long tail, and I'm thinking, oh, where, where does that come from? You know, I know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10.20 that when you sacrifice the idols, you're actually worshiping demons. So the demons post, you know, kind of thing. But all of that is pulled down. All the scheduled Islamic prayers piped through the... I don't know why on movies it's all, always through some really, really bad sound systems, <laughs> right? Silence. And even inside the false apostate church, where maybe there's crosses, those are no more. Ended forever. Isn't that crazy? To think about that. So what is the angel really talking about here? What is this one act that I mentioned? What is this one decree, the political Babylon comes in, destroys all the, this one world religion? What brings the final end to world religion? Well, this is our heading and our point. The abomination of the Antichrist when he sets himself up as God and the whole world worships, worships him alone. It's not the Antichrist and all this other stuff, Buddhism, Hinduism, and, right? Christianity, no. All of that is gone now. He sets himself up to be worshipped. He becomes, really, the new religion of the empire. Here's what I think the timeline is in all of this. And, and I'm kind of trying to bring everything together in what we've been studying in the book of Revelation here because this is a major point in time here. And so after the rapture and then after God defeats a coalition of Russia, Muslim nations on, that, on the attack of Israel, Ezekiel 38, 39, right? After God defeats Russia, the Antichrist rises up, I believe, in a vacuum of power with that ten-nation federation of the old Roman Empire, and then he's taken into this leadership over the whole world. Revelation 6, the first seal. 
And then the ten horns, the leaders, they give over power to this charismatic, favored leader. He he, he just becomes total dictator, the ruler of the world empire, what we saw in Revelation 6, 13, and in this chapter, prophecies in Daniel. Along with this, he's bringing global peace, yeah, solutions to the world problems, um, uh, 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 political peace, but not just political peace, you know, uh, uh, solutions to global econ- economy, global climate, global injustice, uh, injustice and e- inequality. Uh, he promotes this one world religion. So he brings a political peace, but he brings a religious peace and promotes now the revival of ancient Babylon, what we saw last week in, in our heading number one. Now, understand at this point, the world loves it. They're, they just love it, right? Because the desires and goals that actually are being set today are fulfilled in this man. And he becomes the greatest president, the, the, the greatest one in all of history. And so... All world religions are all united together. They're on the main stage of the world. And the woman, right, not the prostitute anymore, the woman we saw last week, her name is changed. She has the queenly garments, you know, in Revelation, what we saw, Revelation 17. But there's one thorn in the world's side. And all that's going on here. God sent Two witnesses, Revelation 11, they speak for the one true God. They speak about having a relationship, a true relationship in Jesus Christ. They're they're like prophets of old. They come on the scene, remember, what we studied in Revelation 11. They speak like prophets of old. They do miracles like prophets of old. And the united world in one religion hates them for they speak out against their utopia of this one world religion and everything politically. And then the dream turns bad. When the Antichrist, the world's quote-unquote savior, is killed, but I believe it's a fake death, but he comes back to life, like resurrected from the dead, and I think it's fake, I think it's Satan's deception, and think of the world just goes crazy about that. Wow, whoa, right? The one they put the, all their hope into. The one that, oh, sounds so good. The one they, they, they've come to embrace and love. He dies whole, trauma. But then he's alive. Oh, they embrace him even more. And it's all Satan's plan to emotionally capture the world with this miracle of their beloved leader. They already captured his mind. They already captured emotions, but now they got their heart through this. And so the Antichrist seems to come back even stronger. And I'm thinking this in his evolutionary ascension, right? I talked about that. Well, the Antichrist is like who we want to be in our, our, our ascension into what a human being is and having powers, yeah? So he comes back even stronger, seeming like, because you know what? He kills two witnesses. We saw that in Revelation 11, right? It was God who allowed them. But no one could kill them. No one could, could stop these guys and stop what they're saying. Well, the Antichrist, I think, comes back and kills them. And now these two events, his resurrection, killing the two witnesses, catapults the Antichrist into not just the greatest political leader, but the greatest spiritual 
leader catapults him into a level spiritually like never seen before. So with this, or this already united, spiritually united world with this one world religion, Satan moves him, the Antichrist, to his final plan. And this is what Jesus talked about Matthew 24 and was predicted in Daniel 9, the abomination of desolation, right? Three and a half years, halfway into the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist goes into the rebuilt Jewish temple, Revelation 11, that, that we saw in Revelation 11, and he declares himself God and causes the whole world to bow down to him and worship him as the supreme being. So with that act, is the end of world religion. It comes when the abomination of the Antichrist, when he sets himself as the supreme God, and the whole world worships him alone. Isn't that amazing? I, I, it was kind of clicking in my mind. That's why I wanted to give you that sort of timeline and picture of these events and how it all comes together. And so... What we're seeing in verse 16, this is how the prostitute will be devoured. There's an old poem, and, and I, I, I kind of call this like the kid's version of Re Revelation 17. It goes like this. There once was a lady from Niger who smiled as she rode on the tiger. They came back from the ride with the lady inside and a smile on the face of the tiger. This is Satan's plan from the beginning. Yeah, he's been promoting oh, other religions, something, you know, to pull people away from the true way to have a relationship with God through Christ. But in the end, he just takes that, throws it up, because his plan is to put the Antichrist up and for the world to worship him. And remember, we learned in Revelation 13 that putting the Antichrist and worshiping him means to worship Satan to give glory to Satan and his power. Ephesians 6 talks about the wiles or schemes of the devil. And that's the devil's schemes, to use you, yeah? to tempt you away, to use you, to accomplish his evil goals. And once he reaches it, you know, he's going to throw you under the bus. He's going to cast you aside like, like rubbish. And he's going to destroy you. Satan doesn't care about you. He only cares about himself and his plan and that's why Jesus said the thief and I believe he's talking about Satan only comes to steal kill and destroy and that's his ultimate goal for your life seemed like he was with all these world religions and he is but in the end she's going to be gone and it's going to be all about him so, this is the end of world religions. We've seen the integration of the prostitute, the abomination of the Antichrist, and we come to our last heading, number six, the transformation of the empire. And this is our last two verses here. Verse 17, Revelation 17, For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Now stop there. 
Now the angel gives us a little insight here, which is to me an amazing thing. All this is actually not a surprise to God. It's not shocking him. Yeah, What? Satan, he promotes all these religions, then he destroys it? It's not a shock to God. It's interesting that the angel says this, God has put it into their hearts to do this. The king, kings to give power over to the Antichrist and to, to submit to the Antichrist, to say, we're with you, we're going to support you and get rid of all the world religions. What is he saying? Well, he's saying, in other words, God allowed these desires to move these ten leaders, to give supreme power to the Antichrist, to give, make him the supreme being over both political and the religious part of Babylon, the empire, so that the Antichrist would get powerful enough to bring the world into worshiping him and turn the whole world against God. I mean, that's his stance, right? When he stands, I worship me, uh, the Antichrist. He's really taking the whole world as one in unity to turn against God, the true God. But God allowed it. You know why? It is so that his judgment on world religions would be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? I think, I think that's, that's incredible here. Think about this. It's like how God used the evil actions and the intents of the Jewish religious leaders to, to manipulate Rome yeah, to put Jesus on the cross. But that evil act really was for Jesus to die on the cross and fulfill the plan of God to purchase our salvation. So here, God's judgment on religions came by using the Antichrist to bring the end to world religions. So this is the authority and power of God. And the first thing I want you to see here in this section is God's sovereign purpose will be accomplished by the very actions the Antichrist will make against him. Isn't that amazing? So, so the angel is going, hey, it's not a surprise. It actually fulfills what God wants to do, and that's to judge all the world religions of how they've been that prostitute. They've been luring away everyone away from a true relationship with the true God through Jesus Christ. Henry Moore said, here's the most amazing thing that men should fulfill God's will even when they oppose his will. That's God. Yeah. That, to me, that's like, whoa. It's hard to make sense of it. But that's God's sovereignty, his amazing sovereignty. And let me say this. Whatever the outcome, you can trust him. Whatever's happening to you, you can trust him. Trust God, even if it seems evil is being done to you. You can trust him, even if it seems the worst is happening. Don't go and blame. Don't go and get bitter. Don't, don't hate. But you know what? Trust God and His powerful sovereignty over all things. I got to share with you. Um, I, I asked Faye if I could share this. And, and he said, oh, yeah, I'd be an honor. Anyway, um, after the whole storm this last you know, uh, weekend, Sunday, Monday or so, um, uh, Faye gave me a call. I said, hey, how are you guys doing? I'm all this stuff. And, 
And he was sharing with me on Sunday that last weekend he was in Molokai. Him and Mona were over there. And he was speaking at the uh, Baptist church over there. And then he had a flight going out of Molokai back home to Oahu for them right in the Sunday night. And that was when everything was storming, right? And, and so he was sharing with me right in the middle of the storm, their propeller plane, their prop plane, right? Took off to Oahu. And then the pilot tells him, this is, this is too bad. And he said it was super rough, you know. It's really rough, the worst they've seen. And the pilot says, oh, we got to turn back because this is, this is really bad. So they turned back, went back to Molokai. And they're back in Molokai Airport. And then the pilot tells him, you know what? Let's just wait it out. And when there's a clearing, we'll take off again. I told him, you know, I would have bailed right there. <laughs> I said, no, I'm going to wait till the storm is over. I mean, a propeller plane and it's like, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, no way. But you know what he shared with me? He, 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 he was kind of joking because his message in the morning was on faith and trusting God. right? So that was on his mind. And then he was praying and the Lord, he had a vision of God's God smiling at him. And the Lord, and he got this word from the Lord that, that, trust me. I mean, not only if you can make it, but even if the worst might happen. And, and, and uh, it was funny, he was telling me, yeah, remember that, Rick? It's not just if, but it's the even if part. And so... They took off again, and they made it. (laughs) But that's the thing. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And even if in the worst of things, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life right now. But understand, even if we can, whatever that is in the worst, you can still trust God. Because we're seeing it here. That even with the evil, God turns it around and uses it for his purposes. All right, verse 18, last verse here this morning. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. So lastly here, God tells us through the angel that even though the prostitute is burned up, even though world religions come to an end, notice here, the woman is back again. Not prostitute, right? The woman, right, it actually goes on. No, right, um, we, we saw prostitute, prostitute in this section. But now once again, religion is called woman because she's in a prominent place again. And what I mean is actually the woman actually still goes on in this new religion of Antichrist worship. And the angel says, so she is really the great city. And who's, what's that? Babylon, right? That last world empire, the resurrection of the old Babylon, of the old Babylon that the Antichrist is head of. And Babylon here, the woman's now all part of this. Uh, Antichrist worship, his rule, has dominion or control over the kings and leaders of the world. In other words, she's back there again <laughs> with the anti. Well, religion is there again, but now embodied in Antichrist worship as the world worships him, acknowledges him as the supreme being and he's both the political ruler and the religious god of all so this will be really the final form of babylon 
I mentioned several times already, remember Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, or that's another name for Babylon. That was really the, the start of false religion, right? When he united uh, his kingdom, the world, so to speak, to build this tower against God, that we don't need you, or we have our own beliefs and all that. They don't need God. Well, since then, false religion has always come against God in this spirit of Babylon, together with politics. But in this final form, it's like that. In this final form, the woman is doing the same thing, united the world into this religion, but now this religion is of anti-Christ worship, which is really Satan's worship. And this is Satan's final plan, right? This is what he always wanted. Isaiah 14, I mentioned, right? I want to be like the Most High. I want to be like God. So he wants to be worshipped like God. And here it is. And, remember verse 11? Remember the angel mentioned the eighth kingdom, right? This is it. This final form of Babylon, right? The eighth came out of the seventh. This final form is with the Antichrist, who is both the ruler and the religion himself, that he is the supreme being. So, our last point with this rebirth, this, so to speak, with this woman, it makes Babylon now, the transformation of the empire into the final form of Babylon will embody the new religion of Antichrist worship. That's our final point here. That's what we see. That's what this Babylon, quote-unquote, that's spoken of here in Revelation that's what it ends up being in its final form. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. This has been building throughout the centuries to come to this point where the world will embrace the Antichrist. Remember I was telling you back in uh, Revelation 13 how the world wants the mark. Today we think, oh, and some of us Christians are like, yeah, see, it's like the Antichrist forcing people, yeah? No, the world's going to want it. They're embracing it. But it all happens little by little. They're, they're worshiping the Antichrist willingly, desiring that, wanting that. It all happens little by little and builds up to this thing. Benjamin Franklin once wrote this proverb, For want of, for want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of the rider, the battle was lost. For want of battle, the kingdom was lost. And all, all that for the want of a horseshoe nail. So it started with a, a nail for a horseshoe, but the kingdom ended up being lost. So the idea really of this little Benjamin Franklin's proverb is that it's like one small, neglecting one small piece can result in big consequences. Or a small action can build into a big loss. So you understand that, right? One small distraction away from God can lead to bigger idols. Or, or, or we know one small neglect in your spiritual walk, it can result in big consequences of, of sinful habits. And that's how Satan captured the world. We understand that. He started with one desire. Oh, I'm not sure about God. I, I think it's like this. Yeah. He started with little things. Well, it's not God's way, but I think it, it's like this. He really started with, I want what I want, not what God wants. I, I really want to give in to this feeling. And it leads to be fully deceived, pulled into thinking, in the end, that worship of Satan is the right thing to do. And that's what's happening at the end. 
So, as we close here in this pause of Revelation 17, God is opening our eyes to what's coming in the future, but also may it open our eyes to the deception of the devil. No matter how good it sounds, no matter how good it might feel, no matter the world religions or whatever it is, traditions or philosophies of the world, if it doesn't line up to the pure truth of God's word, the Bible, you know what? It's really wicked. It's really evil. It's really, let me tell you, gross to God. Abomination, remember that word, means like foul order. It's like, it's like oh, stink. It's gross. So careful. That's the devil's strategy. Careful how he might trick you into those things that are evil and gross. Let me close with this. In a news article, a certain private school in Washington was faced with this unique problem. A number of 12-year-old girls were beginning to use lipstick and, and would put it on in a bathroom. Then after they put, it on, put on their lipstick, they would press their lips to the mirror, leaving dozens of little lip prints all over the mirror. Every night, the maintenance man, the janitor, would have to come, remove them. And then the next day, the, girl would do the, the girls would do the same thing, put it back on the mirror. That happened day after day after day. Finally, the principal decided something had to be done. So she called all the girls together in the bathroom and met them there with the maintenance man. She explained to them that all these little lip prints were causing a major problem for the maintenance man. And they were already there on the mirror at that time when she was talking. It's, it, she's putting so much work in to try and clean it. And so to demonstrate how difficult it had been to clean the mirror, she asked the maintenance man to show the girls how much effort was required. So he took a long-handled squeegee with that sponge on the other side, dipped it into the toilet, and cleaned the mirror with it. An article says, since then, there have been no little limp lip prints on the mirror. <laughs> Smart. But that's what world religions are. That's what little philosophies you allow that don't go with the Bible. That's what they are. That's what putting up idols in your life before God. You know what? It's really toilet water. Having affection after anything other than Jesus is kissing toilet water yeah, with your lips. One day soon religion, every form of it will be destroyed, actually in an act of judgment when the Antichrist comes. Yeah. It's going to all end. So why would we go after something and do things? That's going to end anyway. So this is it. This is how it happens, the end to world religions. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> I feel like it's more important ever, Lord, than ever before that we pray, that we seek you, that that we are not pulled away, God. And I pray for each one of us. I pray for the sons and daughters of God. I pray for our own children. And uh, no matter how young or if they're adult children, God, that there's full-on darkness and deception going out into the world today in a powerful way. And, and Lord, even Christians are, are pulled away. But God, we want to be pulled together, not away. We want to be pulled together under your truth, Lord. The world is trying to pull us apart. Satan is trying to pull us apart in our church, literally within ourselves as we battle our flesh. And, but Lord, we want to pull together 
We don't want to unite with them. We want to be united together in you. So keep us strong, Lord. Keep us alert. Keep us in your presence. And keep us one with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.